Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Another edition of the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. My name is Blair Angulo. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope everyone enjoyed week three of the college football season as we ramp up for what should be a very exciting week four with some of the Power Five conferences returning to play. We recently hit 100 reviews and ratings, so thank you so much to our loyal listeners. And for the new ones, please remember to hit subscribe. Please rate us. Please review us. Give us those five stars. If you do so with your recruiting question, you've got a chance to have it answered by a recruiting analyst on the 24-7 Sports team in an upcoming mailbag episode. We're aiming to do one really, really soon. We will have one of those recruiting analysts on this show, Greg Biggins, in just a moment. We will discuss the latest in the Pac-12 conference as a group of CEOs met last week and will reconvene later this week for a meeting to discuss a possible return to action before the start of the new year. The USC Trojans, one of those Pac-12 programs, landed a commitment from a 2022 class prospect quarterback, Devin Brown. We're going to go in-depth on what the Trojans are getting there. And Greg also feels like theirs could be a trend starting with the 2022 group. USC also picked up a prediction in the 24-7 Sports Crystal Ball by the one and only Greg Bingham. So we will dive into that one as well. But before we get to all that, we will highlight the commitment of the weekend. Damon David, a four-star defensive back from the state of Maryland committing to the Oregon Ducks. Let's do that now here on The Kickoff. We are now joined by Greg Biggins. He is a national recruiting analyst for 24-7 Sports and an all-around good good person. Greg Biggins, how are you doing? Wow, thanks, Blair. I appreciate that. I mean, I'm just spinning the truth, GB. And, you know, it, it's a bummer because, and I've said this to you before, Every offseason or even during, you know, the the every recruiting cycle, we see each other basically every weekend, if not maybe every other weekend. So this year, this year has been very strange not to see you out on the road, to travel with you, to go out to seven on seven tournaments, to see you up on Friday nights while you're suited and booted for for the bright lights uh, of the big game here in Southern California. Um, but you know, it all, it's always, like I said before on this podcast, it's always great to, to catch up with you and we have a lot to, to discuss. Let, let's kick it off with the Oregon Ducks landing Damon David. It was the biggest commitment of the weekend. He's a four-star safety from out East and, and Oregon, you know, they have the number three recruiting class now in the country. They're continuing to build on that. We, you've said it before. You don't see them catching Ohio state and Alabama, but when they are, are, are landing commitments from all across the country, it, it certainly catches everyone's attention. Yeah, no. So kind of credit Brian Doan on, on this latest move. Um, you know, we had our, you know, our, our rankings call, right. And those tend to go a little bit long. And then at the end of it, I remember a couple of weeks back, Doan said, Hey, I got some, some workout footage. 
and it was Damon David and he had put on a good 20 pounds and six one and one eighty and watched the workout video and he looked really, really good, you know, just safety with a corner skill set, you know, real smooth back pedal hips. He's able to turn and run. He's got some cover skills, got some ball skills. And then you watch the film and he still kind of has that physicality to you. So um, he made a huge jump into the 247, rated 195 nationally inside that 247. And obviously, like you mentioned, he committed to Oregon. They, they are doing a great job recruiting at a national level. I think, I think Kevin, Kevin Wade must, must have tweeted 12 or 13 different states represented. And, um, you know, I, I think credit Mario Cristobal for just how passionate he is and how relentless he is. And then it just kind of trickles down to the rest of the staff. And I think some people thought, you know, they, they've lost some really good recruiters over the last couple of years, most notably Dante Williams last year, but you know, they haven't, they haven't skipped a beat, you know, number three in the country and doing a great job. And you would have thought that the pandemic would have slowed down a program like Oregon, which does so much during the summer with their, with their uh, Saturday night lights camp, with the visits, with the photo shoots, with the aura that you get when you get up to Eugene as a, as a recruit on those visits with, with the, the flashy facility and going into Autzen Stadium and the Nike and the uniforms and all that. It, so much of Oregon's appeal to recruits is about the in-person experience but when you factor in their relationship building and the energy that they have as a staff then you then you realize oh you know Oregon despite the pandemic it, it just continues to churn along yeah no you you said it perfectly I don't think anyone benefits more from an unofficial visit than Oregon in the simple reasons I think a lot of people you know from outside the west or even in Southern California I don't think they really know you know just how how cool it is there, right? You hear Oregon, you hear Eugene, you don't, you know, you, you probably don't think, you know, glitzy and fun and, and whatever. And then it probably even goes more so for players outside the West. So they really benefit when they can get you on campus and you, you kind of get wowed, you know, when you come off that elevator and you have 50 guys screaming at you and you do the facility tour and it's like Star Trek, right? So I, I thought, I thought they might get hurt a little bit, but uh, honestly, like you, you mentioned it also with the relationship building, I think, that staff has such a great job building relationships, not just with players, but with coaches, with families, with parents. So I think no visits, it, it's actually kind of helped Oregon because they do such a good job in every other area. And remember, these guys aren't able to visit other schools, right? So it's not just they can't visit Oregon, they can't visit anywhere. So I think it now comes down to, okay, who do I have the best feel with? Who do I, who do I have the best relationship with? Who am I most comfortable with? And, and that's, that's right now, it's Oregon for a lot of these guys. Damon David becomes the latest commitment for Oregon. He's a four-star safety from Franklin High School in the state of Maryland. We are joined by Greg Biggins. He's a national recruiting analyst for 24-7 Sports. You can follow him on Twitter, at Greg Biggins. Greg, so David becomes the latest commitment, and we've talked on this pod about Oregon's class before, right? They have an elite quarterback in Ty Thompson who, who set the Elite 11 finals on fire earlier this offseason. They have probably the best off offensive line group out West with Kingsley Suamataia committed recently, a couple four stars in the state of Arizona from Bram Walden and Jonah Miller. They have a, a new four star center in, in Jackson light. Who's the number one rated prospect at his position out of the state of Utah also committed. And, and then you factor in some of the playmakers they have on offense. You factor in what they did at linebacker last year with, with Noah Sewell and, and with Justin flow. And, and they have Keith Brown this in this, 
cycle, but the defensive backs class that they've been putting together, and now given the fact that guys like Diamador Lenore and Thomas Graham and Javon Holland and what they were able to do on the field, I think it's given them a little bit more ammo to ramp up their their efforts in defensive backs and, and defensive backs recruiting. You've got to give Keith Hayward a lot of credit there as well. No, Keith, Keith's been doing it forever, right? I mean, West Coast-wise, whether it be Oregon State, or the USC. I mean, Keith, he's been around. He, he, you know, great guy. One of those guys who connects extremely well, not just with kids, but you know, you, you talk to him and you kind of just feel like he's a guy you can trust. So therefore families can relate with him and feel comfortable with him. And he knows every coach out West. So they're comfortable with him. And yeah, I mean, their, their DB group is looking good. I think they want to bring in six. Ideally you go three corner and three safety. So, uh, you know, kind of already filled up that, that corner spot, so that they'll still continue to continue to recruit Sierra Wright. But you know, they they love Darren Barkins. I think Jalen Davies is the guy that can play corner or safety. Jadarius Perkins is maybe the top JC corner, a guy that can come in and play right now. And obviously you mentioned Damon David. So um, really nice job. And again, kind of look at their class. For me, uh, I give extra credit points for balance. You know, you don't want to have a school that just loads up on one position and then you, you kind of gets an F for three or four other spots, but. You know, they're going quarterback, they're going receiver, DB, D-line, O-line. You mentioned the linebacker with Keith Brown. Maybe the one thing you don't see is, a, is like an all-purpose, you know, every down running back. Um, you know, Seven McGee, I think he might be more of a receiver, maybe, maybe more of a slot guy. You don't really see that, you know, that 20-carry-a-game uh, running back right now in this class. But there's just about everything else that they're filling every single need with, with legitimate star power. And they've got two four-star tight ends, two of the best prospects at the position out West in Maliki Matavao and Terrence Ferguson. So they're, they're checking boxes across the board. These are classes that we used to see USC put together. Right. And this is just the, the balance and the star power across the board. And speaking of the Trojans, they began to, to get things rolling on the 2022 cycle. They picked up a commitment from quarterback Devin Brown out of the state of Arizona. He chose the Trojans over a handful of offers. It seemed like Wisconsin had a lot of the buzz. I had put in a crystal ball prediction for the Badgers, uh, but USC offered on September 1st, the first day that the class of 2022 could officially get correspondence and, and, and contact from coaches. The Trojans closed fast and he took a a self-guided visit to USC last weekend got a chance to walk around campus got to see the the beautiful the 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 beautiful you know palm trees and and the skyline of LA and 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 I think he fell in love with the idea of being the quarterback at USC so the Trojans after getting Jake Garcia and Miller Moss in this 2021 class and building off of what they were able to accomplish with Keaton Slovis as a true freshman go back into the state of Arizona to to get a a quarterback that was seeing his his, his recruitment really rise yeah no the first thing you you have to obviously uh, appreciate about Brown is he's got to be a, a very confident kid, right? Because a lot of times it's hard to get back to back, you know, elite quarterbacks, you know, more or less, you know, USC, they got two, they got two dudes that are ranked in the top 150. Uh, Miller Moss, Jake Garcia, both these guys are very, very good. They're both going to be early grads. So, you know, they're going to be in there, you know, a whole year and a half before, before Devin gets in there. So for Devin to say, you know, I, I'm not worried about competition. I don't care about a depth chart. I want to go in there. I'm going to, I'm going to go beat them out. I'm going to go win a job. I'm going to go learn from Graham Harrell. I want to play in an air raid offense where I can 
throw the ball 40 times a game and put up some huge numbers. And, you know, I, I read about it in your story. You know, I just think he's a great fit for what Graham likes to do, right? He's just a very proficient, um, accurate, smart, quick, decision-making quarterback. And I, I think right now, you know, USC, their, their quarterback room is looking very, very good. I don't know if they'll take a second quarterback. I think that might be it. You don't really like to do two uh, back-to-back years. Um, so if Devin's the guy, then, uh, you know, like I said, nice, nice early fit, nice early pickup for USC and, and good job for Devin. Yeah. You know, I posted the story, uh, right away on the Peristyle, which is the message board on our USC football site on 24 seven sports. And, and, you know, some fans obviously will, will look at the, th- the star rating and they're wondering why another three-star prospect. Well, Ken Slovis was a three-star prospect. So you kind of have to throw that out the window and Graham Harrell, I think knows what he wants and he knows how to look for it in a quarterback prospect. Uh, didn't put up the best stats. He had more interceptions than he had touchdowns as a sophomore last year at Queen Creek. Uh, he completed less than, than 50% of his pass attempts. So from a production standpoint, left a lot to be desired, but he has a lot of really good strong points that you look at and, and you you really see the potential for him to rise not only in the rankings but also to rise in terms of his production so you mentioned that there he has that quick release he makes quick decisions with the football he's able to dissect defenses and, and really pick them apart and that's what I like about Devin Brown and I think he's going to be a really good fit for what USC likes to do offensively we're going to be right back with more Greg Biggins here on the 24-7 sports football recruiting podcast Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We are back on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I am Blair Angulo, joined by Greg Biggins. He's a national recruiting analyst for 24-7 Sports. You can follow him on Twitter, at Greg Biggins. Greg, on the topic of USC, we, we just discussed the fact that they picked up a commitment in the 2022 class from quarterback Devin Brown out of the state of Arizona. You put in a crystal ball prediction, and we're going to go inside that crystal ball for a recent choice that you made for the Trojans. Yeah, no, I, I did, and I think this is one of those, one of those areas where I think the, the, the dead period helps USC. You know, Sierra, he, he's been around a little bit. He's seen Northwestern. He's seen Notre Dame. But he wanted, he wanted to go heavy on the road and check out Texas. He wanted to go see Michigan. He wanted to go see Nebraska, Utah. Uh, all those schools run him heavily. And now he will not be able to do that unless he takes a, you know, a, little, a little dead period visit. 
And I don't know if that's going to be enough to, to overtake USC. He's been in USC multiple times, loves Dante Williams. Talked about him earlier, earlier in the show. Uh, Dante's been on him since his Oregon days. So Sierra has a great relationship there. Um, you know, he wants to major in business, maybe minor in film. You know, he's got a nice little acting background. And obviously USC, he's got a, a you know, nice little uh, reputation for that. Um, so just from an academic standpoint, from a location standpoint, from a, a relational standpoint with him and the staff, you know, several uh, incoming recruits that have already committed to USC, all that kind of just, for me, just kind of put USC as, as the school. And that was a pretty, you know, kind of a low confidence level. I went with, like a, I think, like a five, uh, maybe a six, but pretty low. But uh, I do think USC is, is probably the team to beat if, if signing day was next week. USC right now with the number nine class nationally and number two among Pac-12 programs behind only Oregon. So despite the fact that the Pac-12 is slowed down in a way in, in terms of the buzz that that the conferences have been, have been building among the Power Five conferences, uh, it does seem like USC has rebounded in this 2021 class and Sierra Wright would, would be a big pickup, not only for Dante Williams and what he wants to do here locally in Los Angeles, to, to take back the West, as, as they have been saying, that's been kind of their recruiting motto, uh, but also to, to bring in some, some competition. I know they have a lot of star power on campus, um, but that's how USC is always able to get better by bringing in prospects that could, can potentially replace the guys that are already on the field. And, and Sierra Wright has a lot of the, the tools that you look for in a defensive back. What do you like about him? Why do you think he's been maybe one of the most coveted prospects in the LA area in this cycle yeah man, i think the thing that jumps out with him is just his athleticism you know his speed you know he's a legitimate track guy who probably could have ran 10 7 10 6 this year uh late bloomer you know he kind of told a cool story he played on a pop Warner team that was just loaded he was kind of rambling off some of the names and he said you know i wasn't i wasn't even a guy i wasn't not a star i was you know just kind of a role player went to you know Loyola as a freshman just wanted to maybe make the team and then he just kept getting better and better and better so you know high-end athlete good length good ball skills uh you know you can you can use him in the punt kickoff return game just a, a really good athletic explosive dynamic player I think he can continue to get better in terms of just pure cover skills maybe a little little more physical but in terms of his athletic ability and like the size potential that he has um you know he's a player I think has a chance to be really good Greg Biggins, National Recruiting Analyst for 24-7 Sports, on Twitter, at Greg Biggins. And speaking of your Twitter, Greg, last week after Devin Brown committed to USC, the 2022 quarterback who we discussed in the first segment, you you brought up a, a really good point. You think that with the way the pandemic has affected the 2021 class, you feel like the 2022 class could be moving at even a more accelerated pace, right? Because of the roster numbers, the the scholarship numbers, and just the fact that eligibility could be extended. You, you feel like we could be on the verge of it being a bigger trend for 2022 prospects to come off the board even earlier. Yeah, no doubt. Because I was talking to a couple of college coaches and here's kind of the, the situation. So with the 21 class, right? Uh, they won't be affected at all. Schools are going to be able to sign over their 85 limit. Those don't know, uh, colleges are able to have a total of 85 scholarship players, but they're going to allow the seniors to basically kind of reclassify and play their senior year again. Uh, so the 21 class, you know, that they won't be affected by it. So they, you can have 95 guys on, on scholarship next year. Now the 22 class, however, they, you have to get back to that 85 
number for that class of 2022. So basically, you're looking at a really small 22 class for a lot of schools. You know what I'm saying? So basically, you, you have your freshmen, your sophomore, your junior. It's not just the seniors that are kind of reclassifying it. It's everybody. So you're not going to have a whole lot of spaces available for that 2022 class. Could be between 10 and 15. So I think uh, a lot of colleges are kind of being maybe careful on, on how many rides they offer. And then if you're a, a player, you better jump on that quick, right? Because you don't know how many spots you have. And if you're a quarterback, especially, you want to be pretty quick and, and jump on the school that you like. So that's why I kept saying, you know, at 2022 class, it's going to be a smaller one. If you see a school that you like, man, don't waste time. Just jump on it. What do you think that's going to do for the numbers in terms of, of football prospects that are heading into their senior season? I mean, JUCOs have been affected greatly as well. We, we saw it in last, last year's cycle where uh, Arizona, for instance, the junior college ranks have essentially evaporated. So that's not going to be an avenue for players. Is it going to be more of a trend for maybe some potential power five prospects to go the group of five route to, to secure a spot? I mean, how do you think all of this is going to create maybe some dominoes in other areas? Yeah, no, I, I actually think so that you're, if we're talking about the 2022 class. I think you could see a handful of players that normally would go, you know, power five. All of a sudden, maybe now having to go the Juco route, I, I could see maybe some some blue shirts, maybe some gray shirts, uh, you know, a way of, of a school kind of managing those numbers. So, yeah, just imagine if you're used to having a 25-person class and now it's down to 15, you know, that's 10 rides that you no longer have available. So I, right. I think you're going to see kids in scramble mode. And so, yeah, I mean, I could see, you know, JUCOs getting a little more filled in. And then also, like I said, you, you will see maybe, um, you know, who, kids who normally would go power five. Maybe now out west you see, you know, Boise State always does well. Maybe they even blow up a little bit more. Maybe your Fresno State, your San Diego States, uh, your, your, your MAC conference in the Midwest, schools like that can really benefit. Yeah, I think you're onto something there. I feel like those 10 prospects that maybe would have gone power five, then they go group of five and, and that's, you know, unfortunately is going to start to squeeze out maybe some of the lower tier prospects that were going group of five. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, the the Fresno States, the Boise States out West, th those schools, I think will start to get some Pac-12 talent and, and some really quality players that's going to elevate the, 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 the play level, uh, not only in the Mountain West, but across the, the group of five conferences. GB, before we let you go, the big topic heading into the week is the Pac-12 vote. When the season will return, how things are shaping up for the Pac-12 conference uh, conference teams, and then also the recruiting implications of them returning on the field because the other three Power Five conferences, aside from from the Big Ten, which you know obviously last weekend uh, or last week discussed the the return to to action for their own part, but the Pac-12 is is now the only one outside looking in, and they are in a in, in a way kind of fighting an uphill battle in recruiting. What are you hearing there? What What do you think the implications could be? Yeah, so I, I talked to three or four different coaches from different schools, and, and I was told, you know, November 7th, uh, seven-week schedule, seven-game schedule. And since then, I think it's come out about, well, what about the Halloween weekend? And supposedly there was, you know, maybe a, a vote with, you know, nine to three, two or three schools aren't ready to go on Halloween and I think, uh, you know, I, I think RJ may have came out and said Stanford's one of the schools that doesn't, doesn't feel like they're ready to go. 
uh, on Halloween weekend, maybe not even November 7th weekend. Maybe, you know, I think they feel like they want a little bit more time to really figure things out. So, I mean, I think, I think what I, what I'm still hearing is it's still going to be November 7th. Will likely be the start date. I think it's going to be big for the Pac-12 to play. I mean, again, talking to these coaches, they're, they're frustrated. They feel like, you know what, my, my coaching buddies from across the country, they're, they're, mocking us they're laughing at us saying hey you guys actually play football out there they're, they're kind of hearing it right it's all good nature but it's still you know there's always a little bit of truth in every good nature jibe so i think the pac-12 has got to play i think it's going to be good you know a lot of these players are, are kind of wanting to see you know their team you know I, I think especially if you're you know usc i kept kept saying they have a chance with Corey foreman but if their chances they have to go out and play and impress and be really good and, and show that hey you know, you don't have to leave home. You know, we can provide a winning atmosphere right here in your own backyard. So if they're not playing, obviously you can't provide that. Now, the, the caveat is you got to win, right? If you're, you could probably sell your program better for not losing every game by 40. So that's not going to be USC. I'm just talking in general. So I, I think for the Pac-12 to play, it definitely helps out recruiting. Not, not just because, like I said, you want them, you want these players to be able to see you. But I think it always just kind of shows that, hey, you know, we're actually a, a big five, a big power five conference. We do take football seriously out here. You don't need to leave home to go play football. And if they're the only ones that aren't playing, you really can't even say that. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think of a player like Jackson Dart, who's the fastest rising quarterback prospect in the country. We, we got him all the way up to the highest three-star that you could have. Uh, he's certainly on four-star watch heading into the tail end of a senior season. And, and when you mentioned the fact that he picked up some recent Pac-12 offers, well, how, how could he make that decision, right? Without ever seeing these schools take the field to see how the offenses are operating with their quarterbacks. You know, there's some new offensive coordinators there. There's some new styles there's so many different factors involved with a team actually fielding a team and going out and taking the field than it would be during a PowerPoint presentation that they've been hearing for the last few months during the pandemic. So I think it's going to be very important for the PAC 12 to kind of reverse course and, and hopefully, like you said, uh, get back on the field and, and try to get back in some of these recruiting battles while the rest of the power five conferences continue to roll their, their field. Uh, Greg Biggins, it's been a pleasure as always we really appreciate you hopping on and, and can't wait to do it again my friend always good talk to you Blair thanks for having me all right that is Greg Biggins he's a national recruiting analyst for 24 7 sports like I mentioned earlier you could follow him on Twitter at Greg Biggins that'll do it for us thank you so much for listening make sure you check back later this week for another episode of the 24 7 sports football recruiting podcast Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.